Welcome back to another episode of a Data Science at Home podcast. I'm Francesco, podcasting from the regular office of Leuven in Belgium. Today, I am not alone. In fact, I am with some folks, very interesting folks from Cognilitica. Uh, Cognilitica is an AI-focused analyst, advisory, and education firm. And they provide market research, advisory and guidance on artificial intelligence, machine learning, and of course, cognitive technology. That's where the name comes from, I suppose. Uh, I'm with uh, uh, Ron Schmelzer and Kathleen Walsh. Hi, guys, how are you doing? Hi, and thanks for having us. We're so excited to be on your podcast. Yeah, thanks for having us and, and thrilled to, to share our insights with your crowd. So, well, indeed, this is quite weird, I must say, because we both are, well, the three of us are uh, hosts, and today someone is a guest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, guys, I'm, I'm very happy to have you here on the show, and uh, indeed, um, the podcast that you guys are running is AI Today Podcast. Um, it's a very interesting title, uh, and I have a few questions for you. I'm pretty sure that the audience of Data Science at Home will be extremely interested in knowing a bit more about your, your show. Great. Yeah. So, you know, we started AI Today podcast about four years ago because we wanted, so back in 2017, uh, because we wanted to see what folks were actually doing with regards to artificial intelligence, you know, not just the talk and the hypothetical, but what folks were actually doing. And four years, 200 plus episodes later, we have not run out of things to say, which is great. <laughs> so on our podcast, we have done a number of use case series where we talk about how AI is applied in different industries, such as construction, mining, retail, pharma, healthcare, insurance. And we've also interviewed a number of thought leaders in the space from both public sector uh, governments and you know agencies around the world and private sector as well. And we also got to interview Francesco. So I encourage your listeners to check out that episode as well. We had a really great conversation. I um, think I so remember that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and, and we like to hear from a wide range of people on how they are actually implementing AI. So from, you know, Fortune 5 companies all the way down to smaller organizations. Yeah, and I think you know we started this as as analysts. We we were you know we hear hear a lot from the technology vendors. You know they all claim all these great things that you can do with their products. And hey, if I was marketing software solutions, I would say that my product can do all sorts of awesome things too. But you know, uh, sort of this this marketing has to meet reality, and that's when people real you know get into these these issues of trying to make these products work. One, of course, you have claims that products can do things that they can't. And uh, that's always been an issue with AI. And is, you know, we've gone through many waves of interest in AI, yeah. these called AI waves of interest, and then the winters. And you know, we're, we would like AI to stick around as, as part of an ongoing thing, a quest towards intelligent machines. But you know, if we keep getting the overhype and the overpromising and then delivering, we get in trouble. And so that, that's actually the reason why we called it AI today, which is like, we know what the promise of AI is in the future. But let's talk about what AI can do today. And that's part of it. And, and we talk a lot about, about best practices and methodology, but I'm sure we'll get into that uh, probably later on here. In this absolutely, podcast. absolutely. And uh, well, I have another curiosity because I've seen that the, the audience, I suppose, but also the 
the guests that you guys interview are are pretty diverse. They come from different sectors, different backgrounds, which I find amazing because indeed having uh, many people a word about the same uh, subject or topic is extremely important, you know, to have a broad opinion about that. Uh, my curiosity is about how do you guys select your guests? Yeah, I mean, well, well, first and foremost, um, you know, just like you, I'm sure we get constantly <laughs> bombarded by inbound, mostly <laughs> like 95% by by vendors. Right. Can I promote my product? The answer is no, just for all of you vendors listening, because you can do your own podcast if you want to do that. But we love to hear from, you know, especially, you know, uh, we love name brand companies that people know of, have heard of, you know, and, and may not know and how and why they're using AI. Companies like Merck and Home Depot and Coca-Cola and... I'm forgetting half a dozen Komatsu mining, you know, you some know, drink companies like Heineken. And, and, you know, it would be, you know, we, we talk to the people who are usually like the, 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 either the heads of their your chief data officers, C chief AI officers, if they have that title or heads of data science, you know, uh, done in Bradstreet, you know, we had the executive vice president there who's like really focusing on it and they have some really interesting tales to tell. Of course, a lot of reality, right? That's one group. The, the second group, as Kathleen mentioned, is we do also like to talk. We're based in the Washington, D.C. region. No surprise, a lot of government you know, here. And it's interesting because the overlap between what the government is doing around AI and data is actually pretty high with, with what's happening in, with data and data science in general, and of course, AI and machine learning. One, governments produce a ton of data. They are good customers for making better use of that data. Two, um, they're not motivated generally by profit. They're motivated by, you know, budgets and, and return, you know, providing benefits, right? So it's a different perspective also on sort of how they're implementing it. But of course, there's the flip side, which has to do with regulation and, and privacy and ethics. It's always interesting to hear from, from uh, governments. And Kathleen, right, we've, we've, We've covered the gamut on, on, on that side, different different guests, right? Exactly. So as Ron mentioned, we're based in Washington, D.C., so no surprise that we have a lot of, uh, you know, U.S. federal uh, guests on, but we've also covered it from an international perspective as well. So we've had guests from, uh, you know, various European countries as well as some state and local as well in the United States because uh, you know, a federal level is different than state and local for some rules and regulations and also from a budget standpoint and from a talent standpoint as well. Uh, state and local jurisdictions are dealing with you know, smaller budgets, uh, don't always have as much talent and what do they do when they are still producing tons of data and need to move forward. So you know, that's, how we, that's how we look to get our guests and we do wanna have it be diverse because you know, AI is really touching and helping just about every single uh, sector in the world. And so we wanna make sure that our guests are representative of that as well. Hey, it might be beach weather outside, but for retailers, the holiday season has already begun. Did you know that 2021 holiday e-commerce sales are expected to exceed 2020 benchmarks? Are you prepared to capture every customer revenue opportunity? With Quantum Metric, you can be. Their unique approach to the digital customer experience helps today's top retailers and e-commerce brands quickly identify and prioritize the big and small revenue opportunities that keep customers engaged and coming back. 
Stay off the naughty list this holiday season by reducing customer friction, increasing conversions, and personalizing the shopping experience. Want a sneak peek? Visit their website at quantummetric.com slash pod offer and see if you qualify to receive their 12 days of insight offer with code data science. This offer gives you 12 day access to the platform coupled with a bespoke insight report that will help you identify where customers are struggling or engaging in your digital product. You will find the link in the show notes of this episode at datascienceatom.com. And I also found that uh, AI Today, you know, the podcast, because uh, it's always weird to say AI Today and then oh, it's a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, um, it's less technical and more business oriented with respect at least to uh, data science at home, you know, uh, which I find great because, you know, the two complement each other. Uh, now, I would like to ask you a question because you are, you have, you know, the business perspective. I'm more towards the, ra- the, 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 the technical perspective. So uh, what do you expect is going to happen in artificial intelligence and the machine learning fields from a business perspective, say in next five to 10 years? Yeah, that's a great question because I think, you know, we always talk about data. And so Ron said, we, we talk to a lot of uh, people who have some heads of data at their organization in their in their title because it's so important with how their business is going to move forward, how they manage the data that they have. And data is the heart of AI. So without data, you really can't power your machine learning, you know, systems to make any sort of prediction that will have meaningful value. <laughs> so, you know, within the next five to 10 years, we are starting to see, you know, everybody is focusing on their data. Uh, Large companies are already building machine learning models, moving forward with, you know, how artificial intelligence can help. But we're starting to see some of those medium-sized, smaller companies as well. One area that we talk about a lot on our podcast is best practices methodologies. Because if you are not adopting a best practices method, methodology. And we are advocates of the CPM AI methodology. So that's the cognitive project management for AI methodology. If you're not adopting that, you really have no roadmap with how you are to move forward. And you don't have a step because methodology is just all about, you know, processes. So what steps are you following? And how are you documenting this? We have unfortunately found way too many companies running their projects ad hoc without necessary methodologies in place. And so in the next five to 10 years, our dream would be that organizations really adopt methodology so that they are making sure that they're doing AI right and that they are not wasting time and resources and you know energy on projects that most likely will fail because they get far down the road of implementation only to realize their data is not in a state that it should be, and they have to go back, start at square one, or maybe they've already gone too far in the project and they've run out of money and they move on to the next thing. I think it's interesting that the title chief information officer is a a misnomer. Uh, Over the past 30 years, it's like, if you see what CIOs are doing, they're usually like technology project managers, technology owners, they own systems. You know, they're in charge of like apps and they're in charge of like cloud and blah, blah, blah. But they're not in charge of information, which I think is kind of a laughable thing. So now we have this new role called the chief data officer, right? And the chief data officer is supposed to be responsible for all things data that are, doesn't matter where they are, right? They're supposed to be system agnostic, right? 
But the irony of it is that as we, as more of the information systems uh, move to the cloud or like people start using third party stuff, the CIO role kind of becomes less important. The chief information security officer role. Now that's an important role, keeping things secure. And the CDO role probably should become really what the CIO is supposed to be doing. Like, don't, don't talk to me about like servers and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, that's kind of immaterial because we're probably going to be owning less and less of it anyways, going forward, it'll be in the cloud. So, uh, you know, that, I think that's one of the biggest trends we're starting to see over the next five years. First of all, the growth of this uh, role and also the definition of what the role is. We find, um, I mean, I, I don't want to be too critical of our friends with the CDO title, but often it's like they have the title, but without really having sort of enough of the scope of understanding of trying to extract value from it. I don't know if, if you've seen similar, but uh, you know, again, this goes back to methodology and practice, but we're clearly early days with, with, with this still within enterprises. Now, the, the listeners are definitely not, cannot see my face, but I'm smiling <laughs> as Ron speaks. <laughs> Just to approve his words, I've, yes, Ron, I've seen this many, many times. Uh, I also have to say that the, the role of the CDO has uh, kind of shifted in the years. Uh, and I agree with you, uh, it has to be reshuffled. You know, all the tasks that the CDO and the C, um, uh, CIO are were in charge of will be reshuffled as we go towards a commoditization of certain aspects of the data uh, management and workflows and stuff. So I, uh, I'm totally uh, on, we're totally on the same page. Now, I have another question, actually. Uh, I mean, it is undeniable that no matter what the roles are, uh, there is a data revolution uh, going on, right? Um, and my question to you is, what are the sectors that have been the least and most affected uh, by this data revolution? Yeah, um, I think some of the ones that you, you may expect, I mean, financial services is primarily a data and information industry. I mean, there's very little physicality to it. Um, you know, people might actually have these Bitcoins as coins. And I think I'm kind of late to the whole Bitcoin thing. But anyway, um, you know, that the very little physicality, to it. it's no surprise, financial services, marketing, you know, highly information driven. They're the ones taking a huge advantage of machine learning and all sorts of forms of data science. You know, when you, if, you, if you listen to our interviews with, with uh, Dun & Bradstreet, with LexisNexis, with the Wells Fargo, they're kind of all pretty, pretty mature. The ones that I think was the most surprising for us as not as advanced as we far is healthcare and pharma. Now you would think, especially with the pandemic, everything, people are so data-driven here to understand, you know, uh, infection rates and vaccination rates and, you know, understanding how to connect, you know, drug trials and efficacy, you'd think that they'd be all over, they'd be like far ahead. And ironically, this was one of the areas that AI machine learning had really promised all of these, these great innovations, you know, whether it's looking at radiology imagery or trying to predict, you know, pan spread of pandemics. AI systems missed the COVID wave before it. Now we're catching up with AI machine learning, but it missed it. Where was IBM Watson, right? And I'm not trying to call anybody else, but like, you know, oh. uh, you know, that I think was the biggest shocker for us, right? But there's all these areas that are kind of weird hotspots for us. Like we continue to get these inbounds on, on interest that were like, really? AI is hot here, right? Maybe. Exactly. So as Ron said, you know, healthcare was a was an eye opener for us. We thought that they would be farther along in their adoption of AI. I think because of regulation, uh, you know, 
a lot of issues around that as well. There's they've been a lot uh, slower to adopt, and they're way more cautious. But as I, um, you know, had mentioned with our podcast, we do a lot of use cases as well. And so we have done, uh, you know, how AI is being applied in different industries. Some of the ones that have been incredibly hot and draw a lot of attention are AI in construction, AI in mining, AI in retail, and, you know, logistics as well. But I think that that kind of makes sense. Also, AI in agriculture has been incredibly popular as well. And, you know, it's it's really nice to see that there are some companies who are looking at this. AI can be applied in a lot of different ways. So, um, you know, these industries definitely have a lot to gain from the use of these cognitive technologies. Chime in one, one additional thing, and maybe to provide a little bit of, I think, the why behind it, because we were like saying, like, why are we getting all these inbounds on construction and retail? I honestly think this may actually tie into one of your later questions that the pandemic has shifted things in ways that may be more subtle. It's shifted the global workforce in many ways. Um, I, our listeners, I think probably worldwide, we're all experiencing an interesting labor shortage. There's a strange lack of availability for labor, things like working in restaurants, for working in agriculture, for working in construction. And like now you're like, wait a second, mm -hmm. these are the same industries that we were just talking about. Organizations are, are struggling for people for, for workforce. And they are looking now more carefully at automation, which is not necessarily AI, but they're looking more carefully at, at, at any form of technology that could help them alleviate supply chain issues because they were caught everything from the lumber industry to the dairy industry to the toilet paper industry was caught completely off guard uh, with, with uh, forecasting demand. Retail is moving much more towards autonomous and self check out the whole, you know, distance, um, you know, check out thing, what do you call that, you know? Um, and then um, same thing, the, the uh, food and beverage industry. So I think that, so those industries which may have traditionally been considered to be perhaps laggard industries are interestingly enough, the leader industries in this way. So I just wanted to add a little visibility yeah. into that. Yeah, no, that's, that's very insightful, absolutely. And uh, I also found exactly the same picture mm, here in Europe, probably there is some, you know, there will be some differences between, you know, the States and Europe, of course, uh, and you guys are based in the States, so you have a different perspective uh, towards the same uh, subject and the same dynamics, of course. Uh, there are a lot of, I've seen also a lot of automation and people, people and companies focusing much more on automating processes, uh, what we gently called boring technology, <laughs> which <laughs> suddenly became cool. <laughs> so uh, boring, uh, boring is cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so well, uh, Ron, you already mentioned uh, something about pandemic and COVID, uh, of course, and you know, I believe that uh, as your podcast says, at least the title, AI today, we should be speaking about what's going on today, or well, what was going on for what has been going on for the last year and a half, uh, unfortunately. Um, I would like to have your opinion about, you know, the world after a pandemic and, uh, and you know, all these algorithms, uh, AI algorithms, machine learning, smart cities, uh, smart whatever, are they somehow related and, and can one benefit from a, a dramatic situation. So my question is, is COVID facilitating certain processes when it comes to AI and machine learning or not? Yeah, it, 
it's it's interesting. Um, as mentioned, this pandemic has had very direct effects, of course, on public health and uh, all aspects of the whole healthcare life cycle and the pharma life cycle. And it's cer certainly changed expectation about how long it need you need to to develop a vaccine. That's a whole other story. Uh, and what kind of what were the bottlenecks there, right? But um, but I think it's all the other impacts that are interesting. You know, of course, the biggest one course is the work from home, but also the, the learning from home, the remote education thing, um, you know, really started getting people thinking about, do I really need to come into the office to be productive? Do we need, really need to come into the school to learn? And then what are all the societal impacts of that? And, you know, it turns out many of the societal impacts actually outweigh sort of the sort of like productivity impact. So for example, you know, kids, yeah, I guess they could, you know, learn, you know, on Zoom. But, you know, we think we realize that education is not just about gaining knowledge. Education is also about learning how to interact with people, be social and have a classroom experience and, you know, you know, be away from the family <laughs> and also the impacts of li working, living, you know, at home, you know, it's not exactly very efficient to be working from home and educating from home and all that sort of stuff. So um, a lot of those, you know, those are the interesting impacts that COVID had. And in, in addition to things like um, impacts on the supply chain, I was referring to this, this earlier, unexpected, you know, who knew that if you were going to be stuck at home for a couple months, the first thing you'd worry about is, do I have enough toilet paper? Can I find some yeast to bake some bread? And hey, maybe I should fix up my closet and buy some something from the home improvement store. That's where the uh, that's where the supply chain impacts were, um, and I guess now we're we're getting smarter to the issue of like oh okay these these sort of situations can can sort of throw off all of our our planning not to mention impact the labor pool so we've actually seen quite a bit of impacts uh, you know from this both directly and indirectly I, I know maybe Kathleen could think about some of our interviews where we where we've, we've talked to some people about this but but we've definitely dug deep over the past year and a half. Yeah, I think another thing that this really, the pandemic uh, brought to light was how you can automate a lot of your processes and how you need to automate a lot of your processes. Otherwise, you will have incredible bottlenecks. And how do you function if not everybody? But he is in the same physical location. So, you know, we have seen the need for uh, processes to be reviewed, processes to be changed, and how can you automate to make things faster? Uh, that was one thing we had interviewed the uh, chief technology officer at Small Business Administration in the United States, and we had a PPP loan, a payment protection plan loan that was being offered. And without automation, that would not have been possible to move forward with the speed that it did. So, you know, I think that people are really kind of reviewing that and also reviewing what does it mean to, you know, as Ron mentioned, work from home? Do I need to physically be in an office all the time? Uh, how is that dynamic changing with with all of that? So that that's, you know, maybe on a more broader level, some data related, but artificial intelligence, machine learning, that's really, you know, we always say that there's this digital transformation logjam, and without artificial intelligence and machine learning, we're really not able to push through to actually get digital transformation. And so hopefully things are starting to get sped up because people are, are paying more attention to how important this is. 
Yeah, absolutely right. I mean, uh, I this was really a great episode. Uh, it, it's actually great to have another opinion from, you know, the folks who are closer to the business rather than the nerds. I mean, nerds are fun, but, you know, they, <laughs> they have... <Not> the nerds. <laughs> Yeah, but it's it's always good to have the big picture in front, and you guys made uh, uh, did really a great job in providing us with uh, uh, with such a picture. So thank you very much for being here. I'm uh, pretty sure that the listeners of Data Science at Home podcast will uh, uh, love this show. Will uh, definitely love your show as well. We'll uh, report some links in the show notes of this episode, or especially some episodes that we uh, mentioned. And uh, Kathleen did a great job in mentioning some key episodes on. Uh, AI Today podcast presented by Cognilytica. Also, don't forget to drop by our official Discord channel. You will find the link in the show notes of this episode and on the official website, datascienceathome.com. Ron, Kathleen, I think that's the end. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. We've really enjoyed being on the podcast. You're a fantastic host. I, I think you're, we're adding your podcast to our daily, weekly listenership for sure. Because uh, like you're hitting. Oh my god, I'm get, I'm getting emotional now. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much, guys. I really appreciate that. I will do the same. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Data Science at Home Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Podbean to get new, fresh episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or visit our website at datascienceathome.com.